Fitness is the Special Needs Family Hour with Julie Ames. Brought to you by Special Needs Family Resources, LLC. For the next hour, we'll be discussing the particular challenges and real-life solutions for families with special needs. If you found us, please know that you are not alone. To find out more, go to SpecialNeedsFamilyHour.com. Now, it's your host, Julie Ames, on AM860, The Answer. I'm so glad you could join us today. We are going to be speaking with the parent liaisons of Hillsborough County School District. If you have a child with special needs and you need more information on how to help your child with the Hillsborough County School System and their individual education plan, I hope you'll stay with us today. Before we get to that, I would like to share a story with you, especially if you're having challenges with your special needs child. About a year and a half ago, I'd gotten to the point where her behaviors and the challenges that I was experiencing with her was eroding our relationship. And I will admit to you, there are many times that I pray for unconditional love, (laughs) not just for my special needs children, but also my regular ed daughter. That means regular education daughter. But you, you have to pray for unconditional love. That's just one of those things that I have found myself doing many a day. But with Maria, I was having such a terrible time. And it was January when she was diagnosed with asthma. Well, during this time, I was reading the book called Christmas Miracles. And in it, it's just a book of probably about 50 stories of miracles. And this was a wonderful story. It was about a cook who was relaying the, the, she was relaying to the author of the story, this miracle. And the miracle was that in Italy, this cook had a dear friend who had been blind most of her life. She went blind when she was in her early 20s, and she was now in her 50s and blind. But for the last seven years on Christmas Eve, she could see. And what was interesting is she explained how even though this woman could see, they didn't call the priest, they didn't call the doctor, they didn't want to examine it. It was just one of those miracles that happened. Well, when my daughter had asthma for five days, she didn't shush. And by shushing, she does a sound. She goes, shh, shh, and she can't stop it. It's like sometimes she goes to a different place. This is her stimming behavior. Sometimes she will spit when she's doing that. She will rub her hands together. And those behaviors, I got to the where I couldn't see past those behaviors anymore. And I can't believe she wasn't shushing. It was such a gift. And the gift and the miracle, because I hope that she won't start shushing again, maybe it will really be gone. Because as you know, stimming behavior is a self-stimulation behavior that causes comfort to the person who is doing the behavior. Sounds bizarre. But with Maria, that gift, it allowed me to see my sweet child again. And even though after five days she started all the behaviors again, The gift was that miracle that I could see her. And I was able to accept that it was just for five days because I had just read that story of a woman who only sees only for the last seven years on Christmas Eve for a few hours. So my hope in the program today is that every day you find little things that you can be thankful for when you look at your special needs child. We'll be right back with more on the Special Needs Family Hour. You're on AM 860, The Answer. Are you struggling with a special needs loved one in your life? Remember, you are not alone. Find out more at specialneedsfamilyhour.com. 
Our program will continue in just a moment. Welcome back to the Special Needs Family Hour with Julie Ames on AM860, The Answer. To contact Julie, go to specialneedsfamilyhour.com. That's specialneedsfamilyhour.com. Now, here's Julie Ames. Welcome back to the show. This is Julie Ames, your host for the Special Needs Family Hour. When you live in Holland, there are always interesting things. There are health issues, there are educational issues, there are emotional issues. And even though Maria was 17 years old this past January 2014, she was diagnosed with asthma. For the first time, I heard her wheezing. I had never heard wheezing before in my life, but when I heard it, I knew it wasn't good. So I knew she needed to stay home, and I called the pediatrician. So after many hours of x-rays and asthma treatment treatments, she was diagnosed with having asthma. And Maria was having many difficult times from January to July. The weekend of July 4th, Maria and I were out. We had stopped at the bicycle shop. I was getting my bike repaired. And Maria looked at me. She could barely talk. And I was so worried about her. I didn't know what was going on. So I took her to the hospital, to the emergency room. They saw her. They did an x-ray. And they said she had croup. Usually adults don't have croup. But she had croup. And she didn't give me any. The doctor on duty didn't prescribe anything. She just said that um, steam or being near the freezer, that that would help her. But nothing was diagnosed. Well, after the 4th of July weekend, Monday, Maria wasn't doing well again. And her asthma specialist, her doctor, had told me, whenever she's in crisis, it would be great if you could bring her in to see me. Well, Maria seemed to be having a hard time, so I took her to our local pharmacy. And at the pharmacy, I wanted them to see her because they had a nurse on duty. And I asked the nurse, is there something you could do for her? Maybe she could have a steroid or there's something that could help her. And she looked at me and she said, ma'am, I will be glad to call 911 for you, but there's nothing I can do for her. And I was shocked. I, I, I didn't realize that. Maria was considered that bad because she was completely functional. So I took Christina home. I called her asthma specialist, and he could see her. And when he saw her, he said, you know what? We really need to have her checked out at um, Tampa General. And she was able to have an endoscopic procedure August the 4th where it was discovered that her trachea was 70%. Closed. So in actuality, we still have not been able to confirm whether she has asthma or not because there is a special test. I believe it's called the methadone challenge. And you have to be able to breathe and go through this whole test. And Maria is not of the maturity or has the lung capacity at this point to do that test. So we believe that she does have asthma. And right now she's been at home for five days dealing with this. So I've I've been spending a lot of time in Holland and 
We're working on getting her better, and she will see her asthma specialist this afternoon. Yay! So that is Maria and my latest health crisis. Hopefully there won't be any more. It's amazing growing up. I always thought intelligence was the most important thing. If you're handicapped, that's fine. If you have your mind, you can still make it. You can control your environment. You can get around. You can sense danger. You can do so much as long as you have your mind. And I had never been faced with intellectual disabilities. As you know, both my girls are older to our edgely mentally handicapped. And our youngest, Anna, she's at the other end of the spectrum. Of course, that's a it's like raising your first child. Um, everything related to Anna is new to us because we've never had a typical child. So in some ways, we could argue that we experiment on Anna in the sense that she's a typical child and we've never raised one. But the intelligence factor, I found myself pondering when I realized that Marie and Christina were educationally mentally handicapped. I found myself pondering well, what, what makes a successful person? And my conclusion is it's, it's your morality. You need to know the basics of right and wrong, what's tr- what is true, what's not true. You need to have discipline. You need to know how to take care of yourself, be organized, have hygiene. So that's really where my husband and I started. We just started on the basics. The girls have packed their lunches since they were little, um, you know, putting fruit cups or their yogurt for lunch, but they pack their lunches and they have learned over time to take care of themselves. We're working on the cooking part. Maria is more hesitant to cook. Christina will help me scramble eggs in the morning and they both can make their instant oatmeal. So we've come a long ways and teaching them to be organized. They've learned to um, pick up moss in the yard clean up after our dog. They've learned to do the dishes, mop, blow off the sidewalk. So they have their chores. We actually have posted every week, Monday through Sunday, their chores, and they get their allowance based on whether they did their chores. So that is how we've handled the basics with the girls. The other aspect of our girls is the, the whole thing. Is it a blessing or is it a curse? And it truly is a blessing. I can't tell you how many times throughout my life um, with them, the grace that I have experienced. And I did not understand the term grace until I heard a minister speak about it. He was explaining he had a special needs son and he was old. His son's disability was such that no one would babysit him. He was just too difficult. Our son had a wonderful gift. If he met you, he would never, ever forget his name or forget your name, the ministers told how his son had a job and he worked every day and that his son had passed away. His son died in his sleep. The minister explained that that was okay, that he was an old man, but he realized that his life no longer had the grace that it had. When his son was alive, everyone prayed for him and he knew that God was always there. And what that means is that You realize when you have a special needs child that you can't do it by yourself, that you need God there to help you. With a regular child, well, you're a regular person. You know how that works. Surely you can do that by yourself. You don't need God for that. The Indians have a belief 
uh, concept of if your special needs or intellectual disabilities that you're touched by God. Not all Indians, but when I was in high school, I was in 11th grade, we were studying the major English writers, and we were studying James Fenimore Cooper. Have you seen The Last of the Mohicans? That is a movie that was a book by James Fenimore Cooper. But in this book that we were reading, there are two women, and one of them is special needs. She has intellectual disabilities, and the Indians don't hurt them because they believe that the young woman is touched by God because nothing about her is conniving or contriving and what you see is what you get. And that is the joy. The children, things are very basic. I love you. I can't tell you how many times I hear I I love you. I also get other basic questions over and over again. But I know that God is with us. And as the minister said, once his son wasn't there, he did not experience as much grace. So I know that there is grace with me all the time. And I can't tell you, yes, people judge me. I get a lot of stares from my mouth sometimes. And there are times where people judge me and I can tell they think it's bizarre. I'm used to being stared at, but I can't tell you how kind. I remember when Marie was little, we'd be at Walmart. (laughs) She would go around the counter and hug the cashier. I'd look at the cashier and I said, you needed a hug today, didn't you? (laughs) And then to this day, she'll look at people and they'll be working. You can tell they're stressed out. And she'll look at them and she'll smile and she's saying, are you having fun? And they'll look at her and they'll see her innocence and they'll smile and they'll say, yes, I guess I am. So life in Holland is a very nice place. It's a different place, but it's a fine place to be. So thank you for listening. I'm Julie Ames. We'll be right back to have a discussion with apparent liaisons for special needs students with the Hillsborough County School District. You're listening to the Special Needs Family Hour on AM 860. The Answer. To find out more or to contact Julie Ames, go to specialneedsfamilyhour.com. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Special Needs Family Hour with Julie Ames on AM860, The Answer. To contact Julie, go to specialneedsfamilyhour.com. That's specialneedsfamilyhour.com. Now, here's Julie Ames. Welcome back to the Special Needs Family Hour with me, Julie Ames. I would like to introduce Phyllis Guthman, a parent liaison for students with special needs from the Hillsborough County School District. Hi, Phyllis. Hi, Julie. Thanks for having us. It's a pleasure to be here. Could you please tell us a little bit about what you do? Absolutely. I am one of the parent liaisons for Florida Diagnostic and Learning Resources System, also known as FITLERS. And in collaboration with Hillsborough County Public Schools, Department of Exceptional Student Education, I work with the Parent Liaison Project, which is part of Parent Services. And we have eight geographical areas in Hillsborough County, so we have eight area liaisons. We also have a parent services manager and a parent liaison project manager. And I am one of the liaisons that does not have an area. In fact, I'm the only liaison that doesn't have an area, but I focus on communications, printed, and electronic. I'm very proud 
that we are able to provide printed publications for approximately 30,000 families of students with disabilities in Hillsborough County Public Schools. So we direct mail it to those families. We also have it available on our website, which is Florida Diagnostic and Learning Resources Systems Hillsboro, and it can be found under the Parent Services tab where it says Newsletters. And um, I also provide electronic communications in the form of a regular e-news and also a Support for Families calendar that has events and happenings that are going on that would be interested, um, that would be of interest to families of students with disabilities. The Parent Press is published quarterly. And um, the electronic news is about twice a month. Wow. Well, we get a lot of information. And I've got to tell you, my first experience with the Parent Press was back in May 2003. I received this letter in the mail. And it was an article by Millie Boosie, who was the previous head of the Parent Liaison Project. But Millie had a wonderful article in the parent press that actually helped me overcome my depression when I had found out the challenges that my children had. And it was called Surviving the Ard Word, One Mom's Opinion. And Millie goes on as as she talks about sitting across from the psychologist. But what I got from that article is she talks about, here are a few survival tips. So Millie gave me, or the parent press gave me six survival tips. Get rid of the guilt. And I had a lot of guilt because... It was technically my fault. Two, learn about your child's disability. And that makes sense. Anytime you're depressed, if you just get more knowledge, it may not change the situation, but it'll make it better. Three, build partnerships with professionals who will work with your child. And one of my first partners was Jean, a parent liaison. She was the one that went with me to all the schools. And she helped me and taught me how to evaluate the school. What was I looking at? What made the perfect class for my child? So Jean helped me with that. The fourth thing Millie talked about was understand that grief is a natural part of the coping process. So it wasn't as if I was defective because I had grief, but that was just a normal part of it. And five, to reach out to other parents of children with disabilities. And our sixth thing was never, ever limit your child. But the most important thing, when she talked about grief, Millie said, you have lost the dream you had for your child. You can develop new dreams. And in the depths of my depression, the idea that I could actually have new dreams for my children was just a radical concept. So here was this, you know, just a piece of mail from Hillsborough County and just another letter and it changed my life. And it was really neat to find out that Millie Boosie was actually a friend of mine years later. So thank you, Phyllis, for doing this. What else can you tell us about what you do? Like you also do kids Well, yes, absolutely. But I I do want to say I'm glad that you were able to receive the newsletter and that it it was a a good support for you and that it touched you. Um, A little bit about Millie Boosie. She was such a compassionate person and really had a great love and passion for this. The Parent Liaison Project is pretty unique in the state. Every Fiddler's does have a parent services department. But we have a very unique project that works specifically with families of students with um, disabilities. We partner with the schools. And amongst many of the supports we provide, one of them is parent information sessions. 
And actually, Jean Reese, who was your parent liaison, yes. she was the Area 5 liaison many years ago. She was the second Area 5 liaison. I was the first Area 5 liaison. And she and I actually started the Parent Information um, Sessions Kids all those years ago. It was a graduation product, um, project from Partners in Policymaking, and it started as an autism group. And then it morphed into a developmental disabilities group. And then um, the district embraced it and it came on as a parent services initiative. And now it's just a disabilities information um, group. And it is a wonderful group. I'm glad I no longer have to be responsible for it. We have some wonderful liaisons in addition to our manager that makes sure that it runs wonderfully without me. So that's the power of that particular group. We, we take a break during the summer and any school break. So spring break, thanks, you know, Thanksgiving. Correct. But it's, it, they're held during the school year. I am Julie Ames on AM860. I'm here talking with the parent liaisons for students with special needs from the Hillsborough County School District. And I want to introduce Debbie Valdez. Debbie. Hi, Julie. Hi. Can you give us your title? I am the Fiddler's Parent Services Program Manager. Okay. Now, for the parent out there who has just found themselves in this world of special needs, how does the parent liaison help them? First of all, we listen. Sometimes we listen for a very long time. We try to figure out what's going on with the parent, where they're at, where they need to be, and just listen. And then once we listen, we start answering questions, interacting them as to possibilities of where they need to go next. We have a number of parent liaisons here. Would anyone like to expand on that? Sure. Thank you, Julie. Um, My name is Beth Jenner, and I am the parent liaison for Area 7, which is Brandon, north of Highway 60, up into Thinonasassa and East Tampa. And the first thing that I would do um, to assist a family, typically I'm notified by Child Find, which is the agency that Emily Chimino works with yes. and would let us know when we have some incoming preschool three-year-old students. And the team has already evaluated those children, so they have a possible idea of a type of program that might fit that child. Absolutely no decisions have been made at this time. It's just up for discussion. But we like to help the parents to feel comfortable, especially parents of a young one, of a three-year-old. They never thought that their little one was going to be going to school Yes, that's at that age. They're very nervous, of course. And so um, we're notified as to what school would be closest to the address that the parent gave them that would have the program that may be a good fit for that child. So the parent liaison would contact the parent and set up a visit to see the program. Uh, We meet the parent at the school. We explain all about the process. Entering the world of exceptional student education can absolutely be overwhelming. There's so many questions. A lot of times when the parents show up, they're on the verge of tears. But once we head into that pre-K class and they see how wonderful it is The children all look fairly typical. They have a wonderful, bright, clean classroom. The teachers are very engaged and doing great lessons. The children are learning how to communicate, how to use appropriate social skills, self-help skills. And we spend some time in the classroom, answer the parents' questions. And then when they leave, typically they're very thankful and think it would be a great fit for their child. So that's just one example for children who are in that three, four, five-year-old range. Yes, and that was my experience, is you are thankful and you feel good about it and you know that they're going to be in a happy, safe place. 
I'm Julie Ames. We're having a great conversation here with the parent liaisons from Hillsborough County School District. They work with special needs children and help their families find the right educational venue or classroom for their child to make sure that their child will be successful and reach their goals. As some of you are probably new listening to the show. You can reach me by email, julie at specialneedsfamilyhour.com. Access our website, specialneedsfamilyhour.com, and you can also find us on Facebook. When we come back, we will continue our conversations with the parent liaisons. You're listening to the Special Needs Family Hour here on AM 860, The Answer. Missed any part of today's show? You can obtain the podcast on our website, specialneedsfamilyhour.com. Stay tuned. Welcome back to the Special Needs Family Hour with Julie Ames on AM 860, The Answer. To contact Julie, go to specialneedsfamilyhour.com. That's specialneedsfamilyhour.com. Now, here's Julie Ames. Hi, this is Julie Ames on the Special Needs Family Hour, AM860. I'm here with the parent liaisons from the Hillsborough County School District. All these ladies, in order to be a parent liaison, you have had to receive services currently or in the past in order to be a parent liaison. So when you call a parent liaison or you're assigned a parent liaison, you are talking to someone who has been in your shoes. Now, just now we were talking about small children. We have a parent liaison, Carolina, who also was in that situation. But unlike most of us, she had a language barrier. Carolina, could you please tell us about that? Yes, good morning, Julie. Um, my name is Carolina Beltran, and I'm the parent liaison for Area 1. And well, that area will cover um, most of South Tampa. And like you mentioned, for me, it was um, quite a unique situation because when you have a child with special needs, uh, and then on top of that, you don't really understand the system or, and you have a language barrier, it gets yes. difficult. So um, that that part of my job where I can actually relate to parents who do not speak English and they do um, come to me, they speak Spanish and they feel more comfortable. So it's great. Like Debbie said, we not only just listen to them, but I am able to, you know, put myself in their position. Yes. Um, because I've been there where it's just a lot of terminology and a lot of things that they throw you in. You don't really know what they're talking about. And then it's in another language. So it's great for me to be able to assist those parents and feel like I went through the process so I can actually help them through the process and give them that comfort of it's okay not only to have your special needs child, but it's okay to not be able to understand because it's a process and we'll yes. get there when we get there. Yes, well, I speak English and I found it all very difficult to understand because there's so much new terminology that you have to learn. Now, with your children, are they older now or are they still young? My kids are still young, yes. And and, and how are they doing? They're doing great. I mean, uh, like I said, and this is what I tell all my parents too, you, you know, once you have, once you're in the right track and with all the support from the schools and from the area offices, we just get them where they need to be and then we get them ready for success. So it, it is unique situations every day. Um, but I just, the part for me, it's encouraging the fact that I can assist people.
people who are completely new to the system, the country, the language. Yes, and that's rewarding. And that is a big job in order to do that. Now, I know my children were older. My children were seven and five when we were in the process of finding a school for them. And I know I have Corinne here that's sitting with me. Corinne went through the parent, the whole process when her child was in third grade. Hi, Julie. Hi. Could you tell us about that? What about parent with an older child? Sure. We actually, um, we have a 12-year-old. He's 12 now. Um, but he was diagnosed with autism when he was five, Asperger's. So, but we were in private school. We went through the private school sector for a little while, but it became really challenging to him to be successful. So we actually transitioned to public school um, in third grade. And it was a, it was a huge jump for us, a big change, um, very nervous, not knowing where to go, what to do. Um, but once we got in t- contact with our neighborhood school and started talking to them, um, what a sense of relief it was to know that there were different programs in the school to help our children um, overcome some of the some of their major hurdles and to help them work towards goals and being successful. So with an older child, what was one of the first things they did with you? With me or, or with him. your child? With yes, <laughs> I mean, they, I guess they had to schedule the testing. And they, they did an evaluation on him. Um, the school did, and once he was in the school and in the program, um, yes, he was on in, in a traditional classroom with um, children. But it became apparent pretty quickly that he needed a lot more intensive services. So they were able to accommodate that with him and uh, modify his day in order to give him what he needed. And today, I have to say, he's in sixth grade. He's doing phenomenal. He's made tremendous gains. Yeah. And I, I, it gives me goosebumps just to think about the, the change in him from third grade till now. Yeah, so the whole transition, everything, is there anything that you feel that you can help parents with? I think one of the beauties of the job is being able to give back to families that kind of struggled in the beginning like I did. I just felt like I was very, very lost, but I was able to... I'm able to now help those families through this process and kind of hold their hand because, quite honestly, we need our hands held in the beginning. And even every year when our IEP meeting comes, I'm still nervous every single time I walk into it. But, you know, the teams have been phenomenal. They're really great with helping you through it all. Yes. So definitely rely on your parent liaison. And something that complicated really takes a team to develop. So depending on the child's needs, for example, my children have autism. So they had speech needs. Well, there needs to be a licensed speech therapist at the meeting to write those goals. They needed to have occupational therapy. So there was an occupational therapist at that meeting. They were looking at two different schools for my children because they were different ages. So those two schools were represented. So as you can see, it's not just nine people. Right. It's people there with a different perspective to help give the information so that the team makes correct decisions because decisions for children with uh, special needs are, are never made by one person. They're made by a team and ultimately by the parent. Yes, because a parent, and that's a the thing that you've got to realize at these meetings is you are the parent and you're that first person there with the child and the people at the meeting realize that they mm-hmm. who knows their child best but the but the parent and when you're younger i mean they actually do evaluations by asking you the questions mm-hmm. uh, as far as the child's abilities at home and what they're able to do does anyone else have something that they would like to add um yes the in the future 
there are some other things. This is oh, Beth. I'm sorry, I'm Beth. Um, and in the future, parent liaisons can also assist. Let's say your child's already in a program, but you have questions or you have concerns. We always encourage parents first to go to the classroom teacher and then the other folks on the school campus. But if a parent would still have some questions or concerns they feel are not being answered, they can call their parent liaison and just find out more information. Our school system is so huge, the eighth largest in the United States. And sometimes you don't know who to call to get the correct answer. So the liaison can point you in the right direction. We can give you some background on what your rights are as a parent, what your child's rights are with an IEP. And we can just get you to that right spot, help you to formulate your question, as Mary said, so that you know exactly what to ask and then um, who to ask. So if a parent is out there right now and they're trying to figure out, well, who is this parent liaison in my area? How do they find out who their specific parent liaison is? Okay, great question, Julie. The best place would be to go to the school district website. Um, It's a very long name, really. The easiest thing is to Google Hillsborough County Schools, Florida, and then the website will pop up. You can go to the um, icon, I believe it says areas, and you can look up the folks who work in each of the areas. Or if you're not sure what area where you live, on the right side of the page, it will be a school search. It's a vertical um, icon that says school search. And you click on school search and you search for the school where your child attends. And then that will also lead you to the same information, who your parent liaison is, who the principal is for that school, um, different information so that you know who to call. Yes. Did you want to add something, Phyllis? Yes. Um, you can also always call Fittler's Parent Services directly at 813-837-7732. That is our general mailbox. You can also reach our manager, Debbie Valdez, at 813-837-7733. This is Julie Ames on the Special Needs Family Hour with the parent liaisons of the Hillsborough County School District. We'll be back on the other side. You're listening to the Special Needs Family Hour on AM860, The Answer. To find out more or to contact Julie Ames, go to specialneedsfamilyhour.com. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Special Needs Family Hour with Julie Ames on AM860, The Answer. To contact Julie, go to specialneedsfamilyhour.com. That's specialneedsfamilyhour.com. Now, here's Julie Ames. Hi, this is Julie Ames on the Special Needs Family Hour with the parent liaisons of Hillsborough County School District. I have a question for you guys. I know that I was extremely emotional going through the individual education process. And can you give our listeners some tips on dealing with, I mean, how do you balance the emotional part of it, the feelings in some cases, the depression, and the practical steps that you can take in order to help your child. Is that something you want to jump in on? Sure. Corey? Yep. Um, Thank you again. Um, Emotions. We know that they run like roller coasters when it comes to our children with special needs. The biggest thing that I need to do for myself before any IEP meeting is make notes. I have to make notes. I probably do it for weeks. There are things that come to my head in the middle of the day, I write them down. Um, Because when you do get into that meeting, there are a lot of things that you forget to mention or things that you're concerned about and you forget to mention as well. 
one of the biggest things that I have to remember that even when something does happen at school, it's really um, easy to be quick to get a little hot-headed with things, but taking that extra time and stepping back from the situation, thinking about it, um, and then approaching the teacher or the school in a more um, level-headed manner. Um, Because really, going into a school and being angry really doesn't work well for you or for your child. Um, So making sure that you take that that time to think about things. Yes. Did you want to add anything to that, Beth? Sure. Um, I also find that teachers frequently don't give themselves enough credit for all of the things that they do in the classroom. And now you were a teacher at one point, right? I, yes. In my older career, I was um, a teacher of children with special needs. So I do feel like I can look at it from a parent perspective and yes. a teacher's perspective. Um, I think that it would be a great thing for parents to ask specifically of the teachers. Can you please tell me different strategies that you've tried with my child? What has worked? What hasn't worked? What strategies could I use at home to be helpful? Um, I find that teachers are doing all kinds of things all day long that are just kind of come naturally to educators and that they don't realize that that information would be very helpful to parents. A lot of times parents are angry. They perceive that the school, you're not doing enough to help my child. But when they have this kind of conversation and ask the teacher specifically, can you list all of the times during the day that someone is assisting my child, that my child's getting some type of exceptional student services, um, whether it's with an individual teacher in a small group, with the classroom teacher on the computer. There's so many things that are being done every day that I have seen in meetings that teachers um, don't really give themselves credit for. And that is a very helpful thing for parents to know. Yes. Did you want to add something, Phyllis? Yes. I also think it's really important. And I know it's difficult when emotions are running high. I've had this experience myself. And I was very fortunate early on to have a school psychologist say to me, do you want to be right or do you want things to be good? And I decided I wanted things to be good because it didn't matter that I was right. I was upset and I wasn't really being collaborative. And I I learned a long time ago, even though I have lots of friends that happen to work for the school district, I don't have to be best friends with everybody on my son's educational team. I have to have partners on my son's educational team. So as long as we can partner together and we can plan for him. And when I did work with parents individually, I always told them it's not about what you want. It's not about what they want. It's not about your ego or their ego. It's about the student. Correct. You have to keep the focus on the student and what they need. If you focus on the student and what they need, then everyone can work together. Uh, when it's battling egos and what I think he needs to service and I think he needs it three times a week instead of two times a week, that's not what it's about. It's about what they've been able to assess from your child to determine what they need so they can write an effective goal so that they can reach their potential. So keep the focus on the student. That is so true. Now, I think there's several of us at this table who are going through the transition process. My girls are 19 and 17, and I think you're going through that, Phyllis, and maybe you, Mary. Is anybody else? Yes, I am. (laughs) Oh, my. So what can can you offer some tips with that, Phyllis? Well, um, we're very fortunate that within our project, we do a lot to to collaborate with other departments within the school district, and then 
within the Department of Exceptional Student Education, there is a transition department. Now, our students go through lots of transitions. They transition from pre-K to elementary, from elementary to secondary. But the transition I'm talking about is the transition that starts at age 14, which is determined by the federal government that governs individuals um, that have disabilities that are students. So and that process starts as 14 and it goes through 21, 22. And every year we partner with the transition department, which is part of the exceptional student education department to put on a transition event for families. And it's a very well attended event. We do it on a Saturday. And you get to learn about what are the opportunities and choices for your child once they end entitlement and they no longer have services through the school district. Now, explain entitlement to people who might, who might not understand okay. that. Um, the Individuals with Education Act, which is um, IDEA, a federal mandate that allows us to have services for children that have disabilities, that have been you know, designated with certain disabilities. Once they are found eligible for those services, they are entitled to receive those services to student until they no longer need them or until they exit, which is all the way to the age of 22. So um, you may have a, a child, a student that's in the school district. Maybe by the time they're 18, they're not ready to graduate. Maybe they need some that's vocational right. type of services, um, other transition services to prepare them for adulthood and leaving school they can stay a little bit longer. And I'm experiencing that right now with my son. Yes, that's where I am. One wants to live with me and one is thinking about having your own place. And of course, I'm saying one day, you'll probably both room together. (laughs) (laughs) Did anyone have something to add to that? Maybe Mary? Well, yes, Julie, thank you. Um, My sons are 23 and 21. And I have just gone through a lot of the transitional piece. And Actually, fortunately, I participated in the last transition workshop that um, the department did, and I was asked to present on choosing residential options because that's what I've spent the last year and a half researching. And I learned and wanted parents to walk away with three things. First and foremost, the time comes upon you very quickly. They're 14 one minute and they're 22 the next. So you do need to begin to start to plan early and consider all possible options which was my second point, was to be open-minded. A lot of times we hear things from other parents or teachers, but you really need to do your homework for yourself. And when I did a lot of research, I was very impressed with some of the services. Now, do we need more out there? Absolutely. But does that mean that there are not quality programs? There are quality programs. Yes. But the most important thing I learned through my journey with my son was that we need to look through their eyes, not ours. And when I would look at a a place, for example, maybe the furniture didn't match. Well, that bothered me. It didn't bother my son. And if you think about it, what freshman in college male worries about the furniture matching, you know. And so everything that we do for our children really needs to be through their eyes and person-centered planning. And so a lot of times in high school, some of the the tests that teachers will do are determining what are their needs, what are their desires, what are their potentials. So that would be, I guess, the one thing I would want you to walk away with as you're planning for your daughters. Yes. Well, I love what you had told me about your training, about the special needs young lady who came up to you. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Yes. After I finished my program, we had um, a lot of parents in the room, but there was a young lady in the back who was on her iPad the whole time behind her mom and dad. And when I finished the portion talking about looking through their eyes, 
uh, she ran up to me and ran past the other speaker and just hugged me. And I thought, oh, my gosh, I was speaking for her. And it made the last year and a half of my journey just so well worth it that I could help another family maybe avoid some of the pitfalls that we went through. This is Julie Ames, the host of the Special Needs Family Hour. Tune in next week at 1 p.m. We will have Denise Provenzano with the Florida Diagnostic and Learning Resource Systems discussing the Individual Education Plan, or IEP for short. If you want to be in touch, my email address is julie at specialneedsfamilyhour.com or our website is thespecialneedsfamilyhour.com. Thanks for listening to the Special Needs Family Hour on AM860, The Answer. Thank you for listening to the Special Needs Family Hour. If you've missed any part of today's program, you can get the podcast of this and every show at specialneedsfamilyhour.com. While there, please take advantage of the resources we've made available. And if you're so inclined, please support the advertisers that support this program. More than anything, just know that you are not alone. And we invite you to join us next Sunday at 1 for the Special Needs Family Hour, only on AM 860. The answer.